0: Hello, NFU community, and thank you for joining us for another edition of our Voices from the Community podcast series. This is your host, Max Hyams, and I'm a nephrology clinical and scientific liaison here at Otsuka Pharmaceuticals. Today, we're going to be joined by Dr. Cheyenne Shirazian, a board-certified nephrologist and associate professor of medicine at Columbia University Medical Center here in New York City, which also has the distinction of being designated by the PKD Foundation as a center of excellence. So Dr. Shirazian, thank you for giving us your time and welcome to the podcast.
1: Hello, Max, and thanks for having me today. Um, I'm really excited to talk about this important topic that's really close to my heart.
0: Yep, thanks. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a good one. So the month of May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So fittingly, today's podcast will be focused on chronic kidney disease, CKD and depression. We will be discussing the symptom overlap between CKD and depression, how patients and healthcare providers can differentiate between the two the importance of identifying depressive symptoms in this patient population, and I know these are all uh, topics that Dr. Schrazian is very interested in. So to get things kicked off here, Dr. Shirazian, would you mind giving us a little background information on your journey throughout medicine, nephrology, and how you developed such a passion for addressing the mental health needs of your patients?
1: Okay, yeah. So I'll start by explaining my background. Um, I'm predominantly a clinical nephrologist. So I trained at Columbia, and then I spent seven years of my early career at NYU Winthrop, where I was the director of nephrology clinical trials, and I was also the program director before being recruited back to Columbia. And really my clinical and research interests in my career have stemmed from some of the challenges I face when taking care of my patients. And, you know, I predominantly see patients with pre-dialysis, chronic kidney disease and patients on dialysis. And one of the major challenges that I faced was that my patients had comorbid uh, mood disorders. You know, they had depressed mood, they had poor attitude, they often had physical symptoms, and this was affecting their adherence to the treatment regimen that I prescribed. Um, So because of their poor mood, you know, they would often not take the medications they were prescribed. If they were on dialysis, they would often not show up to dialysis. And this was ultimately affecting their outcomes. Um, And so it ended up being this vicious cycle because they were feeling down. This affected how well they were taking care of themselves, how well they adhered to the treatment regimen. This ended up causing physical symptoms, then more kind of depression and depressed mood. Uh, and then more non-adherence. So it was the cycle that patients were, were really um, having a hard time getting out of. So it really became apparent to me in my career that treating mood disorders like depression, um, like anxiety was, was critical in terms of improving the outcomes of my patients. Uh, and this, And to this end, I dedicated my career somewhat to trying to treat these comorbid conditions that affected adherence in my patients. Uh, and I've been an investigator on several trials looking at treating depression and depressed mood for patients with CKD. Um, I, I recently finished a trial that looked at using cognitive behavioral therapy to treat depressed mood and looking at how it affects outcomes with patients with CKD. Um, so, so really, I, I've done a lot in this field, and I think it's really important. And I'm I'm really excited to talk about it today. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's a lot of lot of great experience, and I think you're pretty uniquely situated to comment on our top topics today. You know, it's always fascinating during these podcasts just to learn about all the different paths that healthcare providers have taken to get where they are today. Um, so now you mentioned you had experience with patients on dialysis and those in pre dialysis CKD. And we know depression is common in these patients with a prevalence of about 20, 25%. So, in your clinical experience, is this typically what you're seeing in your own practice? And can you provide some insight as to why this is, as well as a brief mechanism of the depression in CKD? You know, you mentioned it was that revolving cycle.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I think those numbers are, are pretty accurate. They come from these kind of large reviews of, of studies of, of uh, prevalence of depression in dialysis chronic kidney disease, and, and patients on dialysis. Um, so, so approximately 25% of patients with predialysis CKD have survey-defined depression, and approximately 20% have clinical interview-defined depression, And so I I think I've seen that as well in my practice. Um, But it doesn't give you a full picture because, you know, I think without meeting the full criteria of depression, patients often also have depressive symptoms um, that are a little bit milder and don't meet the full criteria that may affect outcome and adherence. There's also anxiety and other mood disorders that aren't picked up. So it's kind of a little on the low end in terms of the the percent of, of patients that are affected by mood disorders in terms of of chronic kidney disease. Um, These rates are approximately two to three times higher than the general population and higher than other chronic illnesses. And and I think there are a lot of reasons for that. They're both behavioral reasons and there might be biologic reasons. So, you know, some of the behavioral reasons why patients with pre-dialysis chronic kidney disease have a higher prevalence of depression are that you know, they have pretty high self-care or self-management burdens, right? We're asking them to take a lot of medications. Um, We're asking them to show up at a lot of doctor's visits. You know, they have to follow very strict diets in terms of salt restriction, liquid restriction, uh, phosphorus restriction. Um, We also tell them to be physically active. And that's a lot. And, And patients can develop depressive symptoms because their life is so restricted from that sense. Um, there's also, you know, side effects of these medications, you know, patients on dialysis on average, take 18 to 20 minute med- medications that uh, that that's really burdensome. Um, they also have a high prevalence of other comorbid, you know, medical conditions and potentially psychiatric conditions. They often have diabetes, CHF, uh, coronary artery disease, and those other conditions can, can cause depression or depressive symptoms as well. They often have physical symptoms that may affect their mood, you know, over half have pain or, or sleep disturbance. They can have itching. Uh, They may have erectile dysfunction. Um, This all can lead to depressed mood. Um, It can affect family relationships, you know, because, you know, if you, if you have advanced chronic kidney disease, you may not be able to work anymore. You know, it may, that may affect your, your self-worth in terms of your place in the family. Um, And that may lead to depressed mood there's also this kind of anticipatory anxiety. You know, Patients with pre-dialysis chronic kidney disease, especially advanced chronic kidney disease, they have this kind of sense that eventually they're gonna to progress to dialysis or they're told that eventually they're gonna progress. And that, that can lead to anxiety, it can lead to depressed mood, that no matter what they do, they're ultimately gonna have this, what they consider bad outcome, um, that can lead to depression. And finally, independent of all these behavioral reasons, um, there can be a biologic mechanism that's independent. Um, you know, patients with pre-dialysis chronic kidney disease have been shown to have higher levels of, levels of inflammation in their body, and it might be this inflammation that is independently associated with depressed mood and, and depressive symptoms. So, so a lot of potential mechanisms there, um, and, and it may contribute to the to the higher prevalence we see of depression in, in patients with pre, pre-dialysis CKD.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. That's there's a lot of different mechanisms going on that they all kind of feed into each other. So Good, good insights from you and your, your clinical expertise. Um, so you did touch upon it earlier, you must've been reading my mind, but one of the challenges in diagnosing depression in CKD patients is that so many of these symptoms between the two conditions actually overlap. So are you able to walk us through some of these overlapping symptoms um, as one as well as the ones that you most commonly would be seeing in practice?
1: Yeah, you know, it can be difficult. There there are overlapping symptoms. I talked a little bit about some of them. You know, patients with pre-dialysis CKD over half have sleep disorders, over half have pain. Um they also experience potentially experience fatigue um um from from anemia. Um they can have poor appetite and nausea that either might be related to anemia uh, I'm sorry, it might be related to CKD or might be related to uremia. They can have erectile dysfunction that could be related to um, uh, either depression or CKD. So there's really a lot of overlap there. Um, you know, for example, a patient that uh, is depressed, may not be eating a lot, may have a poor appetite, may be losing weight because of that. These are also cardinal symptoms of uremia. You know, a lot of our patients have fatigue. Uh, when they have pre dialysis ckd again potentially from uh, anemia and a lot of patients with depression have um, fatigue as well so it can be really hard to tease out you know especially if there's a sleep disturbance
0: Yeah, no, thanks for that, because there's definitely, definitely a lot of overlap between these two conditions. Um, So keeping with that theme in mind, you know, it's got to be difficult to differentiate between what's being caused by CKD versus what's going to be a depressive symptom. So how do you differentiate between the CKD symptoms and depression symptoms? And then what do you find to be the best way to kind of diagnose these CKD patients with depression?
1: Yeah, it's definitely not easy differentiating. Um, I think one thing that I look for is that, you know, uremic symptoms, they generally don't occur unless the GFR is less than 15. I mean, they can occur over 15, but it's a lot rarer. So I think you need a good estimation of GFR, you know, and sometimes the creatinine can overestimate GFR. So you might um, get a cystatin C-based GFR just to make sure it's under that 15 number, Um, This is not an absolute thing, because again, sometimes you will see uremic symptoms over 15, but I think that in general, you don't. So so that's something you always look for. It's got to be kind of advanced to get symptoms related to uremia. Um, There also can be subtle differences in the symptoms. I think uh, for for depression, at least, often you'll see a social isolation, withdrawal from family, friends, and social gatherings. Um, There's often a, a strong component of depressed mood. And that can be a little bit different from uremic symptoms where, you know, generally the earliest signs are, are more like fatigue and poor appetite and, and nausea. Um, so, so there can be some subtle differences there. I think in terms of diagnosis, um, you know, if there are any concerning signs, I do a survey and I use um, the BDI, which is the Beck, Beck's Depression Inventory. Um, and so it, there are actually higher cutoffs in pre-dialysis CKD, advanced CKD, on these surveys for diagnosing depression because of that overlap we talked about. So so you have to know that there are higher cutoffs for depression on these surveys. And if if they screen positive on a survey, at that point, they do need a clinical interview, again, to tease out by a trained mental health professional, whether this is uremia or whether this is depression. Um, so that's kind of my strategy. I'll get, I'll give the BDI, I'll give the survey. If they screen positive, I will send them for a clinical interview to help distinguish between the two.
0: Yeah, that's great. That sounds like a good methodology behind uh, differentiating. So thank you for those insights. Well, I have to say this has been a great conversation, and I do have one final question for you. So from a physician perspective, what are some things that patients themselves can actually do to advocate for their mental health? And is there anything else on the topic of CKD and depression that you'd like to add?
1: Yeah, I mean, in terms of patients advocating for their own mental health, I think, um, you know, a lot of it is kind of bringing things up with your physician, you know, really talking to your physician about what's going on in your life. I mean, this is can be very difficult because mental health is a taboo topic. Um, And and patients might feel like they're embarrassed to talk about it, um, either with their family or with their physicians, but really just bringing it to the forefront, talking about it, you know, um, trying to seek help if they feel like there is a problem, um, not, not ignoring, you know, early symptoms. And I think that on the physician side, we also have to do a better job of talking about it. We have to do a better job of screening. Um, I think our rates of screening are pretty poor. Uh, We have to do a better job of referring to mental health professionals and having a list of these professionals available, people that will take our patients and will see our patients um, in a timely fashion. Also, as as physicians, I think we have to involve social workers more for patients that have a lot of self-care burdens and multiple comorbid conditions because they can help unburden patients and that may help their mood, um, help them navigate the system. Um, and also I think as physicians, we should not be afraid to refer and we should not be afraid to treat ourselves if the referrals aren't working out. You know, we can prescribe antidepressant medication if needed. You know, we are licensed to do that. So we should not be afraid to do that. Um, you know, and some of the other points that I think, uh, you know, are important that I want to make here is that Um, rates of depression are actually higher in minority populations so the rates are higher in black and hispanic populations Um, so that's something to be aware of and depression is associated with worse outcomes so it will affect your patient's outcome if they're depressed Um, and it is something that you should treat to try to improve improve their outcomes and improve their well-being yeah that's
0: great and again the the call back to the underserved populations. You know, I'm sure we could do a whole nother podcast just on that alone. Um, But those are some great insights there. Well, with that, thank you, Dr. Shirazian for giving us your time and speaking on this important and prevalent topic. Like I can say, your patients in Columbia are lucky to have you. Thank you to the NEPHEW community for tuning in today. And be sure to check out our upcoming events on nephew.org. And with that, thank you all again. We hope you had some fun and learned something new. And we look forward to seeing you on the next edition of our Voices from the Community podcast. Thanks, everyone, and have a great day.